The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Thank you for joining us. This is the Boys of Tech episode number 86 for 4 October 2010. My name is Edwin Herman. My co-host, who joins us over Skype as per usual, is Brett King. Welcome along, Brett. Howdy. Brett, you've been, we're going to talk about a story in a second about a, a special, if you like, iPhone charger. You've been watching a little clip about that. Mm. Is it, is <laughs> it hilarious. I find it disturbing. <laughs> I find it hilarious. Well, stick around because we'll talk about that very soon. But first of all, uh, I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll kick off on a sad note. And that is the, the death of Segway boss, Jimmy Hesselden. He was found dead and they think he what had happened is that he'd presumably accidentally uh, rode his Segway uh, scooter off off a cliff. Mm, apparently he was testing a new, what was it, more off-road version of the Segway. Yeah, cross-country version. Yeah, cross-country version. That's what I was looking for. Uh, of the version of the Segway, and yeah, drove it off <laughs> a bit at the back of his estate. Wow, what a what a freak accident! That is, you know, it 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 goes to show you that if you're testing a prototype device, it's best not to test it near somewhere that the device can't go. Yeah, like you, a cliff. You, yeah, you kind of do have to wonder, like, you know, how did he get so close to the cliff? I mean, you know, if it was. Out of oh, maybe control, he was just, wouldn't you, you know, jump off? Seeing what he could do. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, who, who? No one really knows what happened. But no, but what we no, do know, he could also, have, you know, maybe he had a heart attack or something like that. Well, while exactly. It was on it and exactly, and it just kept going. Yeah, exactly. Until until they uh, do the post mortem and and all that gets done, then then no one will really know. But as I said earlier, what we do know is that is that he's dead and uh, very sad. Mm. The other big news in the week just been. Is BlackBerry's playbook? <laughs> what do you reckon, Brad? This is the iPad killer, or if you want to call it well, that. Well, it's another, it's another pad, basically. It's another tablet device. It is. We heaps of them out there now. Lots of them. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're coming thick and fast now. Oh, they are. But here's another one from a maker of cell phones. Well, you it's know, a, I, a, I think it's this... a phone maker who has created this particular tablet, and. Basically, from the specifications that we do know about this playbook device from BlackBerry, it seems to tick most of the boxes. Shall we go through some of the specs? Uh, yeah, go for it. It's got a 7-inch screen. Uh, the resolution there is 1024 by 600. Nice. Mm-hmm. Its entire width is 7.6 inches and height 5.1. Yeah. Thickness... 0.4 of an inch, which is uh, a little under 10 millimetres. Uh, indeed, and it's pretty light, running in at, what, just under a pound? Yeah. It's got your two cameras, two HD cameras, one 3 megapixel front-facing camera for video calling and one 5 megapixel rear-facing camera for taking snapshots. It's got a gig of RAM in there, 1080p um, video playback, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. browser, wait a minute. Wi-Fi. But the biggest, the coolest part of all, what does it support, Ed? <laughs> Flash! 
Yeah. Yes, now, hang on, I have, to, I have to pull you up on something. This is the bit I don't get. How can you play 1080p on I something know. that only has 600, 600. pixels? 600. <laughs> that, that, that's not that's 1080p. That's the point. What I'm thinking they're getting at there is it's probably got a 1080p uh, video playback capabilities, but it obviously downsizes to yeah. the 600 pixels. Well, it but to, it means obviously. that if you've got 1080p HD video, you can play it. You and can it will still play, play it. it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it means. Yeah, yeah, that's what it means. It means that its processor and its video, and you know, decoder, yada yada, the video hardware is all capable of playing 1080p high definition video at the appropriate frame rate on a non HD screen. <laughs> Whereas, you know, you'll get other devices which don't have the power to do it and they might have a much bigger screen and still not be able to play it. So my, it's, that's what I'm assuming. It's, it's got the, the, the video hardware grunt to actually play a video content of that higher definition, uh, but it will be displayed, obviously, to fit the screen at 1024 by 600. So let's just uh, have a, How does this compare with the iPad? I just want to c- compare a, a few of the specs so oh, the, the, how many cameras does the iPad have? Well, okay, we can, that's easy. None. Okay. Uh, does it support flash? No. Does it support flash? No. But, does it have Wi-Fi? Yes. Yeah, it does. Does it have a one gigahertz processor? Well, it's got the like, A4, uh, one gigahertz A4 processor. Is that A4 dual core? I don't how think so. are in the A4? I, I don't know. I'm not actually, I, I, that, no, actually. I haven't either. So I don't know. But what about uh, but the, the BlackBerry's uh, Playbook has a dual core processor, one gigahertz, supports your standard array of video, has HDMI video output, has USB slots. You're talking about the, the Playbook here. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, play, it does. And the, the Playbook has yeah. a micro USB slot, a micro HDMI slot, DLNA, media streaming, capabilities. Sounds good to me. It ticks the boxes. The only thing we don't know is the storage space on it. The demo versions that have been shown have had like 16 and 32, but there's been no coming out about what sort of storage is going to be built into these things uh, and expandability wise. But with a USB slot on it, it does mean that you know, there is the possibility of USB expansion. <laughs> so <laughs> that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, that, that would possible. be very, very but, nice. Yeah, we'd have the, to learn a little more about what kind of USB supports using in there. The iPad, the screen resolution there is 1024 by 768. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does have a larger screen. Uh, it does have a larger 9. screen. Well, you haven't 7. seen, you'd have to see a side by side comparison to see how good the screens are. And you, it's one thing you cannot fault with Apple devices. They come out with some absolutely spectacular screens. That is true. Absolutely that is true. Spectacularly crisp screens. So the the iPad weighs a bit more though. It's uh, one point well, yeah. six it's, pounds. It's quite a little bit bigger, but it is bigger. So yeah. what about thickness? A point five. It's slightly thicker. So thirteen millimeters for the so iPad. It's slightly thicker, slightly bigger, slightly heavier. But no cameras or flash. Less things in it. Yeah. So what's it filled with? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are they putting in there? Fluff. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Insulation. <laughs> Apple filler. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. But look, yeah, this this Blackberry iPlay. No, sorry, not iPlay. That was that was isn't that subliminal? <laughs> that's that's Apple doing this to me. Yeah, it is. Sticky oh, eye yeah, in front the, of everything. The, the iPlay. The Blackberry playbook really does look like it could have some serious uptake to it. 
you know, it's got some serious potential to be a player in the in the oh, yeah. field of these sorts of internet connected tablets because that's basically what it is. It's an internet connected tablet. It's what the iPad is. It's what the Dell Seven or whatever they're going to call it. It's gone from my mind. Anyway, Dell's one. They're all just they're internet connected tablets. They've got their niche for what they're there for. There's been no direct announcements about whether or not because the the one thing the playbook does not have is any 3G or 4G connectivity. You can make video callings and do all of your internet stuff through Wi-Fi, but not or, through your carrier. Not through your yeah, but not through your carrier. carrier. But you can pair it with your BlackBerry smartphone. Ah, well, see, that's where they... Bluetooth link the two together and get your 3G through your BlackBerry smartphone. Well, that's Uh, all right. There's no mention of whether or not you can do it with other, uh, you know, pair it with other phones. So it's going on sale in the US early next year and other international markets, I think, in the second quarter next year. I have to say, Brett, I, I think, not having tried any of these personally, I think this would be my favorite non-Apple tablet. Mm. It certainly looks really nice. The shots that have come out about it have been pretty spectacular. They've taken all of the cues from the iPad and from Apple's just mojo at creating beautiful design and incorporated some of their own BlackBerry flair to it and have created something which looks really pretty nice. I think they could have a device here which could be a player in in the tablet market. Runs a completely different operating system from the rest of the BlackBerry, so that's a big a big departure from the Apple and the, the other lines. Well, at least it won't be uh, encumbered with patent claims. Well, it, yeah, indeed, <laughs> well. it does not run. It, that is one of the biggest surprises of this device, is it does not run Android. <laughs> it runs QNX, or QNX. Is that what it runs? Yeah. Who, yeah. who made QNX? I have no idea. Let's look it up. I'll have to dig myself out of the photo gallery. You actually... <laughs> According to Wikipedia, because everything's true on Wikipedia, uh, came out of the University of Waterloo. Yeah, excellent. But the other thing about the operating system, just to go for the other cool things about this QNX operating system and the capabilities of this playbook, is not only will it run Flash, but you can develop applications in Java, Flash, in native code, C, C++. All of those things you can develop in those, and they will run on this device. Very nice. It's it's great. (laughs) It's a real, you know, sort of developer's device to get out there. You're not restricted by any sorts of rules and regulations over your app delivery. You're not restricted by any restrictions. Exactly. (laughs) There are no restrictions to restrict. Moving on from restrictions, last week we talked about Microsoft coming out and saying, oh, Android is bad because there's all these patent issues, they're infringing and so on. Well, now the news is Microsoft is finally taking out a lawsuit against Motorola over its Android phones. (laughs) And once again, I reiterate my statement. Why? Why, if they have an issue with Android, are they taking it out with the handset makers and not with Google who make Android? You know what? I I pondered that over the week. You know, when you said this this time last week, I, I, I thought, yeah, good question. Why? Well, let me suggest one possibility. Could it be that by suing Motorola, they're hindering the production of their phones? Whereas if they went straight for, for Google, the, you know, Motorola and co and all the rest of them would just keep out churning out their phones with, without a hitch. This mm-hmm. way, 
could it sort of perhaps put a barrier against that? And and because they're in the same market, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. If Microsoft took it to Google and sued Google over the Android things and got Google to either license the Android stuff or to fix up Android so it did not include any of those things, it would not put a kibosh on the vast number of handset makers who would still be using Android in their smartphones and who would just upgrade to the new version of Android, which was licensed or had had all of the infringing parts removed from it by Microsoft suing the actual handset makers, they're making the handset makers scared of Android. And so stopping Android development, stopping Android use, and Microsoft would then be slapping them around with one hand and with the other hand saying, look, we've got Windows Phone 7. Mm. So very, very smart think, yeah, on, on, on Microsoft's part. Well, it's, it's, it's smart, but it's really kind of just underhanded sort of dealings. Well, it's a, it's a tough marketplace out there, Brett. It's, it is, it is, but, you know, yeah. it happens all over the place. You just have to accept it. But I, I still think it's a pretty underhanded way of doing it. Why are they going after the handset makers? Why aren't they just going straight after Google? Now, if it's Motorola itself, which is using infringing stuff, not a part of Android, but, you know, part of their own development, then, yeah, sure go for Motorola, but if it's Android that you're complaining about, then why aren't you going after the people who make Android? Still a fair question. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Google's biggest coup here would be to go through Android with a fine-tooth comb, remove every single part that could even possibly be considered infringing on anything, and produce a Android which is completely patent-free, and then show, you know, show all of the handset makers here. Boom, bang, this, use this. Here's Android without any repercussions. What's interesting here to throw in the mix is that Microsoft does offer its developers a patent protection guarantee, and Google doesn't do that. Well, it's because Google is offering a free product. But they can. that doesn't matter. They can still do that if they wanted to. Well, they could, but then they'd have to start paying. They'd they, have to they start would. charging for it. But you see, yeah. well, this is this the comes only way down to, to the, the that's, po- that's what Microsoft, you know, Microsoft charges license fees for the for the use of Windows Phone Seven or any of the, the Windows Phone OSs, and part of that license fee is to cover any of those patent things. Yeah, but, like you're yeah, paying but this, licenses, which we on funds to the people we've got other licenses that we've purchased for this thing. And as part of that, you get the guarantee that there will be no patent infringement sorts of things coming against you for using this operating yeah, system. Yeah, I realise that. But if Google is so certain about it, why doesn't it do the same thing? Because right now, what we're seeing is Microsoft being able to chip away slowly at the handset manufacturers. Well, I don't think they need to. I don't think they need to come out and offer that and start charging for Android. Because one of the biggest reasons for the uptake is the whole open source nature of Android, and the open development nature of of Android. For it to then start charging for it would be kind of backpedaling on on the wave that they've been going with that. What they could do is actually put their hand up and say, no, it does not infringe on any patents, and just actually make the statement of, it does not infringe on these patents, which other people claim it infringes on. Presumably, Google do want handset manufacturers to take on their, their operating system, so it's kind of in their interest to help the manufacturers. If manufacturers it, it are is. going to be scared by Microsoft... 
Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I said Google needs to come out with their version, which they say does not infringe. Well, it really just needs that. Google to put their hand up and actually say something, one way or the other, on that matter. Otherwise, things like this are just going to put a bad name on Android. And that's exactly what Microsoft is trying to do. Now, I want to talk about a couple of gadgets, which I know you will love, Brett. Well, at least one of them you will. Mm-hmm. We offered listeners a, a short teaser at the beginning, so we know that one of them's the the umbilical cord for the for the iPhone. But mm-hmm. uh, before we talk about that, I want to talk about a baby bot, little robot, which is programmed to learn, to teach itself, in other words, how to use a bow and arrow. Mm. Well, it was an interesting experiment. Yeah, definitely. It was using an iCup, which is a basically a a little robot child that was developed to assist researchers in studying child development and cognition. And these other guys from the Italian Institute of Technology's Advanced Robotics Department took one of these little robots, gave it a bow, showed it how to fire the bow, and with a neat couple of algorithms, gave it the ability to learn to shoot at a bullseye. Hmm, and how, it, to, how to aim? It, it teaches itself. Yeah, to, okay, it a little bit to the right. A little bit, aim, yeah. yeah. And it took eight higher. tries, apparently. Eight tries eight to... Eight tries to get on target. Eight tries to start hitting a bullseye from 11 and a half feet away. Wow, that's better than me. <laughs> Consistently, too, because it's a robot, obviously. Yeah, well, that's in the one thing about the robot. The advantage is that it can repeat the, the exact same shot again and again and again, whereas yep. we can try got, to, but yeah, it doesn't yeah, quite work. Yeah, it's because um, a professional archer or an amateur who has spent a long, long time doing archery would be able to relatively consistently hit a spot. It's all about that automatic reflex, that automatic response, which is why in any sort of sport, in any sort of martial arts or anything like that, it's a lot of it is about developing so-called muscle memory. Until it becomes second nature is what you're saying. Mm. Second nature. Mm. It just happens without your having to apply thought to the process. And robots have that inherently. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) They do, yeah. (laughs) They will always do if it's they've learned to do something in one way or been programmed to do something in one way, they will always do it exactly that way. <laughs> Should we be worried that they might be teaching them to use an AK-47 next? <laughs> I would have thought it would have been easier to teach them to use an AK-47 than it would have to teach them to use a bow and arrow, which I, is probably why they went for the bow and arrow. Probably. It's a much more interesting oh, yeah. result because you've got all of those other factors the amount of tension you put on the string, the positioning of it, the aim, the all of the other stuff that goes into actually firing a bow and arrow, whereas a gun is point and click, really. It's far more interesting being a bow and arrow. If you want to have a look at that, uh, searching for baby bot archer should do the trick on, on Google, and uh, mm-hmm. you can see a, a video there on that. Very interesting. Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> Now, Brett, I want to talk about what I found rather disturbing, and that is an iPhone charger in the form of a realistic-looking umbilical cord, and it <laughs> twitches and moves, and it's yep, disgusting. Yep. It twitches and moves, and it looks gross. Oh, it's, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Obviously, what? you don't like gory horror movies. Well, no, it's funny, because I do. I, I, do like, I do like horror movies. <laughs> but this but gory is, ones. Well, I don't mind. Different. I don't Some mind gory movies. You know, there's the the horror movies which get you in your mind, and then there are the horror movies that get you in your stomach. No, no, I can handle those. It's just that <laughs> this is, I think, a little too 
real because it, it, it is real. This is the point. I, I think my brain tells me I'm watching a movie. You can be as gory as you like and I won't feel queasy. Yeah. But when I see this, because I know it's real and it exists, maybe that's why. I don't know. Well, I, yeah, but it's, it's not really an umbilical. It, well, no, okay. It, it's it not, looks no, like no, an umbilical. Yeah, but I yeah, know, but once it's, again, it's like somebody it's who tangible. You know, enjoy watching a horror movie but doesn't want to come home and see a piece of horror movie gore sitting on their nightstand. Oh, exactly. Oh, I wouldn't want to see their, a, a you know, severed head or a severed arm or something. Or glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it will appeal to some people. And it's definitely humorous. I find it mightily hilarious <laughs> with its little twitches and stuff. It would get so annoying after a while. I would. Especially it's if that very... was on your nightstand where your oh, iPhone was yeah. charging, twitching through the night. And, you know, <laughs> I already have my cell phone, which I also use an, an alarm clock, wandering off my bedside table and under my bed, which is part of the getting up process is having to get out of bed to dig it out from underneath to tell it to shut up. <laughs> this, it's, it's going to crawl across your nightstand, off your nightstand and start making for the door. <laughs> it's going to be horrible looking to watch. <laughs> this is actually from the same guys who made the mechanical tumor. I don't know if you've seen that. Ew, no, I haven't. It's, it sounds gross. It's just as gross, yeah. In fact, no, it's grosser, I think. So if you want to check out either of those things, a search for iPhone umbilical cord or mechanical tumor on Google will you know, reveal those things. You can watch YouTube clips of them. They are, yes. I find them quite disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, the, the other thing to search for, obviously, is Aizawa, the name of the person, yeah, uh, the name yeah. of the artist. Right, thank you. Thanks for that, Brett. And on to Medal of Honor. Now, we talked about this, was it, what, a couple of episodes ago or more? Yeah. Oh, about God. yeah how people just really <laughs> didn't like the fact that you could play the other side being the Taliban. Yeah, And so what Medal of Honor have done, well, the, who are the makers of Medal of Honor, whoever they are, what they've done now is that they've changed the game. So that well, in fact, it's just a renaming change. The, the Taliban is no longer called the Taliban. It's called the opposing force. So you can play <laughs> the opposing force or you can play the, the allied force. How much you want to bet they still look like the Taliban? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or generic terrorist, because I think you just need to go with generic terrorist and it looks like whoever you might think a generic terrorist would look like. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> the oh, thing it's, is, oh. we, we talked about this last time, and it seems silly. I mean... Oh, it, it, it seems so silly. It's, it's role like play. so It's role-play. It's like, oh... I know. But they... they it's, it's, oh. oh, no, we, we've harmed somebody's sensibilities by calling something its name. I, I'm disappointed that they caved in like that. I, I didn't oh. think they would. Indeed. It'd be like playing a World War II game where instead of playing as the Allies versus the Axis or more specifically the American Army versus the Nazi um, SS or whatever and, and instead be playing the good Western European slash American hero guys versus bad guys <laughs> yeah. from Europe. I know, it's crazy. The other part. Medal of Honor have said it's just a renaming change and the, the, the gameplay is exactly the same. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, go figure. Oh, it's, uh, so silly. I know, I know. All right, I want to go back to gory things now. Google Street View in Brazil apparently is underway and already two dead bodies have been captured. Now, are they real dead bodies? They think they are. They believe they are. Because, once again, they were... They weren't in places where you would traditionally think you would 
possibly catch a glimpse of a dead body. Yeah, in it was in places, yeah. popular they were areas. In places with people and cars and on the side of the street and that sort of stuff. But maybe you there's know, no places that parts street of Brazil. cars go. But um, perhaps in Brazil, this uh, that is where dead bodies end up. Well, you know, you know the, the homicide rate homicide. in Brazil is 25 times that of Italy. True, true. It is. It is. Does have a higher homicide rate than the United States, even. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, who who knows? But whether they really were dead bodies or not, I mean. But you know, Google have have uh, taken those images off because people have notified them of of the Indeed images. They have. Mm. Though once again, the power of Google still brings you those if you Google. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can still find them on Google. Is that what you're oh, saying? Oh, yeah, because yeah. as soon as somebody saw them, they saved copy because they knew Google would take them down. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I did that with a a, a a video clip just this week. and It was, in fact, you, I don't know if you can find this anymore now because it was a video clip of climbing, legally, uh, climbing a transmission tower, 1,700 foot. That's over 500 meters. Mm-hmm. And it's it's from a you know, these are technicians and they they have a camera on their head, and they go up I think in the elevator inside the transmission tower. This is just a steel structure like an open like, a bit like an Eiffel Tower if you like, but much thinner. You know, they go mm. up this thing in in a lift to the I think to sixteen hundred feet, and the remaining one hundred and twenty feet or so they have to climb by you know by hand by you know yep. climbing up ladders and stuff. And they go up this ladder, then they they're in, then they're on the outside of the transmission tower. Free climbing, no safety harness on these wow. little pig ladders. And then they have to somehow, when they get to the top or near the top, there's the, the light, the big beacon light, you know, so planes and helicopters don't crash into it. They have to stand, they try and get up and stand on this platform. This is on the top and it's only square. Yeah. It's only about, I don't know, about 60 centimeters square, two foot square. Mm-hmm. And the guy's, you know, climbing up, putting his knee up and then his foot and then finally stands up on this thing. Absolutely crazy. No safety rope. I mean, they have one, but they don't use it whilst they're climbing because it's too slow. They only put it on when they're having a rest. Ah. And why was it taken down? Oh, no, it was taken down because the guy who climbed gave permission to a friend to publish it. The friend did all the movie editing and so on, showed it to him. He approved it and said, yeah, yeah, that's fine to go up. He put it up, but then the climber changed his mind and, and asked his friend to take it down because he was worried that insurance companies might not like what they see. Ah, yeah, mm. of the the guys climbing without, without, their without safety, safety gear. Yeah. Which apparently, though, according to the narration, is legal in the US. This is obviously in the US. It is legal to do that. This It's not breaking any occupational health and safety laws. Mm-hmm. But he was still worried that the insurance companies might still choose to, as they can, choose to not cover certain things or whatnot. So yeah. he asked to have it yeah. taken down. So I saved myself a copy while it was still available. Mm. If you want, you can always try and see if it's still around, kicking around somewhere. Just search for uh, climbing a 1,700-foot transmission tower, something like that. That that should come up. Hmm. Okay, okay. And you know, I felt weak at the knees just watching that thing, sitting in my, my armchair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Gives you the heebie-jeebies. Anyway, Brett, I think that's our show, at least for the international stories. Shall we take that little musical interlude break? Yes. Let's do it. Okay, let's cue the band. We'll be back very soon with a New Zealand story right after this. All right, 
welcome back. Now, Brad, during the break, you actually, I think we did a search for climbing a 1,700-foot transmission tower, and you're saying that mm. actually a lot of them have been removed. They look like they're there, but when you go yeah, to, yeah. to play the, the rest of it's movie, there, but it's just not. Yeah. So have you actually found one that works at all? Um, still having a look. Yes, I found one that still works. Ah, you found one that still works. What's that site? Uh, it's actually on Yahoo Video. Oh, okay. There we go. Yahoo Video. Have a, It's about eight minutes long, so have a look at that one if you're interested in that. In the meantime, mm-hmm. want to move on and talk about the Kiwi Wave project that's uh, managed to get some US funding. I think $2 million from, from the US government. Now, is this about some kind of communications technology? Like Google's Wave? Ah, yeah, I can see why you thought that. No, it's in <laughs> fact a project on generating power from waves, electricity. Ah, hmm. excellent. Isn't that cool? And once again, it's the number eight wire guys down here. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's uh, Wave Energy Technology New Zealand who are doing that, WetNZ. <laughs> and WetNZ was a project by three organizations, Industrial Research Limited, NIWA, and Power Projects Limited. Apparently, mm-hmm. NIWA no longer involved, they tell me, even though they still feature on the website. Uh, that, that'll be taken down soon. But yeah, it's it, regardless, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's a project by some guys down here to generate electricity from waves. It's not the first of its kind. No, this, no, people no, have been, been doing this for, yeah, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But this one is certainly proving itself. They've done a quarter-scale model, uh, and that seems to be generating, I think, two kilowatts. Nice. They're going to do a half-scale model, which should generate 20 kilowatts, and then they'll do the full-scale commercial version, which will do 200 kilowatts. So every time you double your model, it seems to increase your your, your power tenfold. So <laughs> that's a pretty good a ratio. Obsol- that. Yeah, it is. They should double. They should do a, a, a you know a two times thing. Yeah, 400 kilowatts. No, uh, no, no, ten times. So it'd be it'd be two megawatts. Oh, two thousand. Oh, two yeah. megawatts. Yeah. So this is some neat technology coming from down here in New Zealand that is coming soon to the state of Oregon. Yeah, that's a point. So it's not they're not actually going to be doing it down uh, down here in New Zealand, are they? This is actually happening in the US. Yeah, they'll be building and testing the facilities in Oregon at Oregon State University. Very nice. But we, we will definitely more- be one of the <laughs> one of the first countries to see feedback from this device. We certainly need more renewable energy sources, don't we? Wind, mm. wave, tides. Yep. That kind of thing. Geothermal. Indeed. All right, Brett, tis the time to go. It's Monday morning. We've got to get the show out for all our people heading off to work. Brett, I want to thank you very much for co-hosting the show with me, as per usual. Always a pleasure, Ed. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Wouldn't be a show without you. See you all again next week. This was episode 86. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.